0: Welcome to the Broken Pie Chart Podcast, episode 170. I'm your host, Derek Moore, and this week, we're going to talk a little bit about bear markets, how long it takes to recover on average. And there's sort of some good news too. And some of that good news plays out in just the amount of debt that's coming due on higher-yielding companies. These are companies that either do junk bonds, they issue high-yield bonds, or they're going to the loan markets and you know, maybe getting uh, uh, leveraged loans or something like that. And then, is sentiment too bearish? I've seen a lot of things lately that have come out. Uh, one study, and I'll talk about that in a little bit, says that a, a lot of consumers think we're already in a recession. So, those are some of the things I just wanted to dig into. In know last week's episode with Jay Pestocelli, we went over some of the wall of worry things in the markets. And we talked about a lot of, you know, the fundamental side of things, a little bit of technical, I'll link to that. And, you know, I, I got a note from somebody who said, you guys seem like you were a little bit bearish, but here's some good news. And if we go back and we look and uh, somebody had passed this to me, this is from uh, Ben Carlson at a Wealth of Common Sense blog. And it's got a chart in here since 1950, S&P 500 bear markets. And I know a few of you are going to say, wait a second, I thought you had to close below 20%, meaning 20% from the previous high to have an, an official bear market. That is correct by the technical definition. Now, intraday, I believe it was the 19th or the 20th. We were down more than 20%. I think we only closed uh, just a little bit under 20% drawdown from the high. In fact, it's very similar. And I'm not calling the bottom. I'm saying, but if it winds up being the bottom, it's very similar so far to the December 24th bottom. And intraday, uh, that was a decline of greater than 20%. It wound up being a decline of minus 19.8%. And so I was curious about this and I thought I'd talk about it uh, with all of you. And it's the idea of, okay, on average, what's the decline in a bear market? What's the number of days? And then how long till you reach the, you know, you sort of wipe out that, that move down. When's the break even? In other words, to get to the previous high. And how long did it take? Well, according to uh, uh, his math here, And I'll I'll put a link to this, of course, in the show notes so you can check it out. He's got some good articles on there. On average, a bear market since 1950 was down a little over 30%. The number of days on average that they last is about 338 days. The number of days to recover is about 603 days. And in years, that's about 1.7 years. So to kind of dig into this. And it shouldn't be surprising that sometimes the, you know, the really, really big drawdowns take a little bit more to come back from. Uh, But I'll I'll give you some numbers here. And so February 19th of 2020, uh, right before, you know, this is the COVID sell-off, down 33.9% from the high on February 19th. It only lasted 33 days. Very, very quick. And that's when I say it lasted, it's how long did it take to get from the peak, which is February 19th, to the trough. And the trough was March 23rd of 2020, minus 33.9%, 33 days. And then the day that it get back to break even was August 18th of 2020. That's 181 days from the low, so about half a year. You go back to September 20th of 2018, a drawdown of minus 19.8%, again, using closing prices here. And Christmas Eve, the uh, Christmas Eve bottom, 1224 of 18, minus 19.8%, as I said. It got back to break even 120 days later, or 0.3 years. 120 days, so pretty much four months, right? And that was April 23rd. 2011, we had a drawdown of minus 19.4%. That was about 157 days, 144 to recover. 2009, I'm not going to read all these, by the way, but 2009, uh, drawdown from the peak, September 9th of 07 to the, the trough, March of, March 9th of 2009, minus 56.8%. Took 517 days to go from peak to trough. It took 1,480 days 4.1 years. Uh, didn't get back to break even until 2013. So think about that. Didn't get back to the old September or, sorry, October of 07 peak for basically four years. Uh, well, more than four years, right? My, my math is doing that. That's a little bit more. So maybe the math is, uh, is a little off there. Maybe I'm just not reading it right. And, of course, March of uh, 2000 was the peak. 49% drawdown, uh, that one lasted a while. That was 929 days, and it took 1,694 days to recover. So the peak was March of 2000. You didn't exceed the prior peak until May of 2007. I bring this up because a lot of these, if you just look at the quick numbers, you'd say, well, if you're going to have a decline, it's going to take more days and the decline lasted to get back to break even. Again, I'm not saying we we just, you know, I'm not calling a bottom May 18th, May 19th. I'd be all for that if it is. And there's definitely some contrarian signs that we're closer to the bottom. Uh, of course, you know, we don't know. We we always hedge, we buy and we hedge because we don't know necessarily what's gonna happen with markets. The whole idea is to capture a, a good percentage of the upside while materially reducing the downside. Uh, if anybody wants to talk further about that, see how we use those strategies to protect uh, against these types of bear market declines, uh, derek.more at zegafinancial.com. That's uh, D-E-R-E-K dot M-O-O-R-E at ZEGA, Z is in zebra, E as in Eddie, G as in George, A as in Apple. Financial is up to you to spell correctly. And uh, happy to kind of share what we do there. Um, so I bring this up because a lot of people are trying to figure out, well, should should I get in now? And again, if you're hedged, you should already be in. The whole idea is to stay invested, not try and time the markets. But, I mean, look, if there is, if that was the bottom, then history would say, you know, on average, you need a little over a year to get back to the previous high. But, I mean, look at the one in 2018, which is almost pretty much the at least year to date, from the January 3rd high, about the same drawdown. That was 95 days and took 120 days to get back to uh, to break even. So it kind of speaks to the idea of being invested in markets. Uh, The good news is that, while it may have taken some time, most bear markets, well, it's not most, all bear markets, eventually you get another all-time high. And you exceed and you get back to, to break even on the all-time high. And I believe this is just price alone. It doesn't include any dividends or anything like that. So just some data. I'll put it in there into the, uh, the show notes so you can take a look at it. The other thing that I wanted to bring up, though, is the idea of a lot of people talk about high yield and high yield bonds. And... I'm going to go through this because I think it's, it's a really interesting point to, to talk about. And so when you think about why does a company need capital? Well, they need capital. They need to borrow money. And they need to fund their operations. Uh, a company like Netflix, for example, has issued bonds for years. And they use that funding to, to try and fuel their growth. And the way this works is when a company goes to the debt market. All right. So back up a second. So when a company issues a bond, if it's a corporate bond, they'll they'll either have a, a call provision on it or they won't. If they have a call provision, what that means is, you know let's imagine they only you know issued one bond. So XYZ company says, hey, we need a thousand bucks. Let's issue a, a let's get a loan for thousand dollars. We'll go to the debt market, the high yield market. We'll issue a, a bond and and the market does the rating they say, OK, thank you very much. Uh, you are rated as junk, which means it's triple C. You know, it could be single B, uh, double B. But it's one of those based upon the financials and the rating agencies and what they think uh, based upon the numbers they're looking at. Uh, thank you very much, market. OK. And and the market says, all right, we're going to give you the, the $1,000. dollars Uh and the coupon's going to be 6%. And that's what the market rate is. OK, so that's an example. And then if, let's say it's a, a three-year term, so it matures in three years. All right, so far, so good. Now, in three years, when that bond comes due, the company can use cash. They can pay off that $1,000. And by the way, all three years, twice a year, they've been paying you know, 6%. Really, three percent, twice a year, in coupon payments, so sixty bucks a year on that. But what happens is, let's say the company has enough cash, they can buy back the loan, they can retire the debt, meaning they pay it back, great, um, and they move on. If they don't have enough cash currently to to retire the debt, meaning pay it off, make the you know the the balance zero. They've got to issue another bond and use those proceeds to pay off this bond. So they sort of roll the debt forward. If the company has a call provision, they might call it in early. So let's say they had a call provision, they've got a 6% bond out there, and market rates change. And interest rates now, the market's only demanding 3.5% from whatever equal rating this, this company's bond is. So they have a call provision, they might pay a premium above par, and they pay that down, and maybe they issue new bonds to, uh, to sort of roll the debt, or they just pay it down early because they, had, they were flush with cash. And the reason why I bring this up is because a lot of companies' interest rates were, were low for so long. And this is something that was passed to me. Uh, looks like the source on this is Goldman Sachs, Global Investment Research, Uh, drawing on data from companies, Department of Commerce, Federal Reserve. And if you look at this, now you can't see it. I can, but I'll describe it for you. So you kind of get, I'll paint the picture. And what this chart is, the maturity profile of sub-investment grade credit. Sub-investment grade credit just means it's high yield. So investment grade or IG is triple B or higher rated, all right? And if you look at this in 2022, and it's it's really tough to see the scale on this, but I'd guess it's only, you know, it's under 50 billion. In 2023, it's under 100 billion. 2024, about 200 billion. 2025, you know, 400 billion, and really 25 to 27 they're all above, at or above uh, $400 billion. Again, it's a little tough to see the scaling on this. And then 2028, it's above $600 billion. The reason why this is important is because if companies have locked in debt at favorable rates and they don't have to, you know, the, the bonds aren't maturing and they don't have to, to pay it down from cash or roll that debt out, Assuming they're they're rated about the same, pay higher rates, that's actually a positive. That's a really good positive for the market. And we always say, oh, all else equal in economics and finance. It never normally is because we don't know what the balance sheets are looking like on those companies. But I will say we haven't seen default rates go up on high yield. And we're also at the same time, apparently, based upon this data, that companies are locked in at, at much more favorable rates. And they did that a lot during the COVID crisis. And so the title of this chart is refinancing risk is low. The other way to look at this too, and they have a side-by-side graph here, is they look at the percent of GDP and the percent of total debt for high-yield or unrated issuers. And by the way, when we say issuers, they could be leveraged loans, they could be high-yield bonds. I won't you know, break down those two. And here's some more good news. And if you look at the percent of total debt, so the percent of total debt, it's under 10%, and the percent of GDP, I think it's, if I'm reading this right, it's either 1% or less than that. If you go back to, let's say, 2000, going into that recession, well, different story. It, I mean, these these loans were closer to two and a half percent of GDP, and the percent of high yield or unrated issuers was much higher as well. That was, uh, you know, above twenty percent. So it does seem like it's a better debt environment, and the high yield. I know the, the stock market is what everybody watches, but the bond market is much, much larger and sometimes the bond markets sniff out or display through its pricing and its spreads spreads meaning what their interest rate is above the rate of treasuries and we know spreads have widened they've gotten right around 500 basis points or 5% meaning if you you know if the treasuries are at 2% and the spread's 500 basis points or 5% that means high yield is is now 7% and that can be affected from the market value of bonds going down and its yield to maturity goes up, even though that coupons aren't necessarily higher. So a 6% coupon at $1,000 face value or par value, if that bond declines to 900, well, it still has that six percent coupon. But now its yield to maturity also prices in uh, an eventual march to back to par value from 900 in my example, barring any defaults. So this was kind of a, I thought, was a good thing. The other uh, piece that I wanted to touch on is, is, is sentiment too bearish? Uh, also, uh, uh, let me see where this is from. Uh, this was passed to me. This is from CSM Research. And according to their data, they said, our, and they titled this, this graph, "Are Economic Conditions Getting Better or Worse. And better or worse. And if you go back, this looks like it goes to uh, back to October of 20. uh, It's, the sentiment's pretty low. And it looks like they're, it's basically better minus worse. So they asked, they probably ask people, I actually shouldn't speculate. I don't know how they get their data. Uh, But people are pretty bearish. And then the other thing they ask is, is the economy in a recession? And surprisingly, um, it looks like, I don't know if this is in percentage, but the five-day average on May 25th was 22.8. And if you look at the graph, just trust me, it's high. It's higher than it's been since October 20. So it seems like consumers or investors are starting to, you know, the sentiment's definitely kicking in there where they're getting more and more uh, bearish. Uh, Other thing, too, that I saw, uh, according to this is Evercore ISI hedge fund survey, and they have this as a gross exposure, and really the punchline is that equity hedge funds have rapidly trimmed their balance sheets, according to this survey. So, look, we don't know what market's going to do. That's why we hedge. But I will say that it looks like people are getting very, very bearish. And you can see that in the sentiment. Uh, even something else I saw, that Credit Suisse has a fear barometer. It's based upon S&P 500 options. And, you know, going back to 2017, it's almost as low as it was in, uh, you know, March of 2020. And uh, is right about the level of December of 2018. So... You know, sometimes we look at fear and we look at the VIX as a proxy for fear. And typically, you know, the the quote unquote uh, phrase that people used to say is when the, when the VIX is low, it's time to go. When the VIX is high, it's time to buy. I don't know that over time that's actually a good uh, way to invest. But a lot of fear in the market right now. And I think some of the underlyings... Whether it's in a high-yield market, I thought that was really interesting to think about when they have to refinance their debt. Uh, it doesn't look like a lot of it's coming due in the next uh, you know, year or two. And at the same time, go back to what I told you about bear markets. Uh, we're about 137 days, if I didn't mention already, from the peak January 3rd to the quote-unquote trough thus far this year. Uh, we don't know what's going to happen going forward. Uh, this was the first positive week we've seen in a while. And I believe the S&P 500 will, you know, if it closes here or higher, will wind up being positive for the month of May. So we still have a few days left in the, in the, you know, this month. I think uh, the holiday is Monday. So what is it? Tuesday, Wednesday we still have? Or Tuesday, I think. Um, maybe it's Tuesday, Wednesday if I get my dates right. But regardless... A few things to look at. And sometimes when the majority of people get really pessimistic, that's an interesting contrarian indicator. And we used to joke around about this uh, in, you know back when big magazines, who weren't necessarily financial magazines, started putting cover stories about bear markets and about market crashes or the economy really bad on the front cover. That was always an interesting contrarian market signal. And so that's kind of where we'll leave it here. I wanted to check in with everybody. I've been getting questions on this. I'll put links to the stuff I was talking about in the show notes. And by all means, uh, reach out to me via email if you have ideas for a future show uh, or if you just have questions on uh, how it is that we hedge against material downturns. All right, everyone. Hope you have a great, or you've had a great holiday weekend because by the time you you listen to this. I'm recording this on a Friday. This will drop on Sunday. Well, it will be a little bit left in the holiday. So what a great idea to, to listen to this podcast during your uh, your downtime. Maybe you're mowing the lawn. Maybe you're just at the pool. Uh, and hope you have a great week. All right, everyone. Take care.